0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative.
1: Glory and
0: praise. I was going to start. All right, Father Sean, you start.
1: You can't say alleluia during Lent, Jacob. Deacon I Jacob. not
0: say it. I only thought it.
1: Yeah, it's like when you're praying liturgy of the hours and it's like, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. I'll Allelu- Don't say it. <laughs>
0: That happens every first week of Lent at the seminary when we're praying in common.
1: It was just me and Father V told this morning at Holy Hour, and thankfully I was leading. He did not say Alleluia, but I think I would have. You just said it. Yeah, but we're not in the context of liturgy, brother. Ah,
0: Could you clarify that? Because uh, I didn't know that until a couple years ago.
1: Do you know what Alleluia even means? Rejoice. Close. It is Hebrew. Hallelujah! So Yah, God's name, Redoicing Yahweh, God. Uh, it literally means praise. praise hallelujah like think of the Hallel Psalms. Uh, uh, praise, praise. Uh, so Hallelujah means uh, praise to God. So literally, when we sing praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, it's pretty much just the same thing in English. <laughs> in English, as opposed <laughs> to as it's opposed to Hebrew.
0: Hebrew. So why do do we not use this uh, during Lent, Father Sean?
1: Man, uh, you're putting me on the spot
0: You put me on the spot and I already failed, so your turn
1: (laughs) Uh, We don't use Alleluia during Lent because it's a season of penance And we need to stop praising God
0: (laughs) I don't don't think (laughs) that's right Welcome to Catholic Stuff uh, We Don't Know With Father Sean and Deacon Jacob
1: That's right, Deacon Jacob, congrats on your ordination
0: Thank you, Uh, four days in I think so. Four or five days.
1: Four, four days in. Today is Ash, Ash Wednesday. You got to speak very slowly during Mass.
0: Yes, you can make a mistake that everybody will make fun of you for the rest of your priesthood. <laughs> Not that um, that
1: happened to me. <laughs>
0: um, yes, Ash Wednesday. Uh, this was the second and third Mass that I served at as deacon since being ordained. That's and right the first this uh this evening, about an hour ago before we recorded with Father Sean uh, as the priest celebrant, so that was very exciting, very cool. I was way less nervous the third time around uh, than I was the first one for sure, the second one a little less so, but still
1: it's hard to deacon your first mass because you're also preaching your first mass, but then you have to also remember all the parts and if yeah. you sung anything like the <clears throat> Kyrie, if you sing that, like you, you, I mean, it's a lot and it's nerve wracking. And singing in front of your mom is very different than singing in front of a <laughs> 500 person congregation. Which
0: included my mom. <laughs> That's true. Right. Um, no, That's right. I had, uh, Deacon Mike Daly was my vesting daily, uh, daily, my vesting daily, <laughs> my vesting deacon. And he, uh, came to serve as deacon at the mass that I uh, was first deaconing at, deaconing. It's probably not a real verb, but we use it. Um, serving as deacon at the 8 a.m. mass at Lords, and Deacon Daily uh, came to assist as well. And I got into the sacristy that morning, and I would prep my homily, and I was going through all the prayers that the deacon prays. There's some kind of silent prayers that they pray after the gospel when they're uh, pouring the wine and the water into the chalice. Um, anyway, there's all those I was trying to remember mm-hmm. i get in the sacristy i'm feeling pretty nervous i trying to think through everything and deacon mike goes so i'm just here uh here to serve you um i can MC, kind of keep everything running uh whatever you need whatever you need i was like no that sounds good that sounds good and he goes well why don't why don't i uh, set the altar and i was like yeah that's great that's great and was, i can't remember if it was him or me that suggested it uh, but one of us suggested that he just be the deacon of the Eucharist. And I was like, that's great. Let's do that. That'll be awesome. <laughs> I can then just do the uh, Kyrie, the Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. I can do the gospel. I can preach. And then I'm kind of home free from there. All right. <laughs> so Deacon Mike uh, helped out a lot. I only had to focus on half of the liturgy.
1: Um, but then when you deacon this morning, you were also with another deacon, right?
0: Yes. And we flipped entirely. So I asked him what he wanted to do. He said, I'll be the deacon of the word. And I was like, all right, I get to do a deacon of the Eucharist. And then I did all those parts. That's awesome. Um, so I got a practice of kind of all the parts in, in half. And then I got to more or less put it together with you. We had, well, no, because then we had uh, Deacon Daryl was deacon of the Eucharist again. So mm, that's right. Um, I have not yet been the solo deacon at a mass. so
1: Not yet. You will be. Don't you fret. Uh, sorry, this room seems to be more echoey than I had anticipated. It is
0: very echoey. We are in a bedroom that has not been furnished yet.
1: Yes, but there's two chairs, <laughs> armchairs that we're sitting in with a coffee table. Um, but yeah, no no bed or anything else. No pictures.
0: No, so if it's extra echoey, we're in a new location.
1: I blame it, it on I Deacon. De- I blame it on you, Deacon Jacob.
0: I've increased the space around us somehow. Um, yeah, how uh, was how Mountain Madness? I always want to say March Madness. I mean, March uh, Madness will be crazy. Yes, it will be this year. But Mountain Madness, uh, high, middle school retreat, and Father Sean was the, uh, ch- not chaperone, the The chaplain. chaplain. <laughs> chaperone. <laughs> chaplain. <laughs> chaplain aaron <laughs> um. The chaplain, the main chaplain kind of MC priest for the weekend.
1: That's right. It was a huge honor to be asked to do that by the diocese. So I know a lot of dioceses will do like DYC diocesan youth conferences. In fact, St. Augustine diocese in Florida had a DYC the same weekend as mountain madness president's day weekend. uh, A buddy of mine, Nathan Crankfield flew out to that and um, was was speaking. He was speaking at that DYC. So anyways, essentially it's a diocesan youth conference for us for middle school alone. All the parishes throughout the archdiocese typically send their middle schoolers uh, here at Lords. We had 40 people go, but my role was unique, as you said, Deacon Jacob, because I was chaplain. So I was on stage, uh, which is crazy. There's there's about 1100, about 1200, depending on numbers. So about 1000 middle schoolers and then about 200 chaperones. Uh, so about 1200 people there, a thousand middle schoolers. It's crazy. It's chaotic. But their energy is great, and especially when you're up on stage and you're just like, "Shout out to Our Lady of Lords," and like, Lord just goes oh. crazy, which was super fun. Uh, but Father Tony Davis,
0: mm. I wasn't going to bring it up, so I'm glad you are.
1: <laughs> uh, well, now I have to bring it up.
0: <laughs> oh, or, you might have just been saying Father Tony Davis was also. Or like, should we
1: just leave the cliffhanger?
0: Cliffhanger. No. Uh, what did Father Tony Davis do? Now that we're there,
1: Father Tony Davis. I would like to call you names that I should not say on this podcast. Uh, He texted my mom and said, I need the most embarrassing pictures of Sean that you have and can find of like baby pictures, but then like middle school awkward photos. Um, And then he had a couple of photos of me being a priest and celebrating mass and whatnot. He literally made Pokemon cards of like, this is a uh, baby Sean recently baptized like this type of power. <laughs> I never was into Pokemon, so I don't know what, what it all entailed, but then it was like middle school Sean. Yeah. The upgraded
0: s- Pokemon, the, uh, trans, I can't remember what they call it, but they transform. They, so, yeah. They build on each so other. So It gets the middle, <laughs> the, you know, kind of 13 year old Sean.
1: Right. But it was like dark power 30. <laughs> like this was, this was a bad picture. I'm like, yeah, like sweating and like breaking out in acne. Like it was horrible. And, uh,
0: but you then got a uh, mature adventure, Sean,
1: and then the father, Sean, which yeah. was
0: climbing up a mountain and then you had celebrating mass what, on a mountain. And yeah. then you had father, Sean celebrating mass. So what I loved about these, uh, as embarrassing as they are for you, um, these are all middle schoolers. <laughs> That's true. And they're all got, they're greasy awkward. skin and they're breaking out in acne and some of them have, you know, their feet are too big or their heads too big cause they're growing into it. And to see Father Sean, who everybody knows now, is this, like, totally kick-butt, you know, priest who also is an adventurer and bikes and climbs, uh, and everybody looks up to, used to be like me. So these kids say, oh, Father Sean was like I am. I can be like Father Sean is. And that's awesome.
1: It was awesome. I think what I'm most proud of is when uh, (laughs) lords, people were going around, like, trading these cards or, like... Uh, Lord's kids would like overhear um, other from people from other schools saying or parishes saying, man, isn't Father Sean so cool or isn't, you know, whatever. And the Lord's kids would be like, hey, that's our priest. That's our priest. You can't talk (laughs) about him. him. Like he is ours. And I was like, yeah, I'm proud of you guys. (laughs) So
0: that's fun. That's fun. Uh, I need
1: to manage my humility because it's going to make me really prideful.
0: Well, I allow uh, that you missed my ordination for that.
1: That I was really bummed to miss it. Yeah, It was a hard, hard weekend to have the duplications of uh, Diocesan Youth Conference, Mountain Madness with uh, deacon Ordinations. You were ordained with six other guys, so seven total. Is that correct? Correct. Which is a big class. After you, though, we're down to like two and then one and one and one. Like, we're kind of dropping Not in numbers. Not quite that low, but definitely. I lost. mean, I'd rather exaggerate.
0: <laughs> yeah. We have zero for the next seven years. Men, step up. Unless come, you enter seminary. Come now. Right. I i shouldn't say it <laughs>
1: um yeah so i was bummed to miss it but i'm really uh diaconate like i think personally i was more excited for priesthood in the sense of like you get to celebrate mass you get to hear confessions but diaconate is like you're more nervous for diaconate because that's when you're making your promise of celibacy your promise to pray the breviary uh, your promise to live simply um your promises of obedience um do you promise to be obedient to me and all my successors? And you're right. You put your hands in the archbishop's hands. So it's more nerve wracking because you're up in front of everyone. It's your first time doing it. And you're making these lifelong commitments. So well done.
0: Yeah. I, um, (laughs) I, Father Trevor, I'm looking up at the texts that he sent during the ordination. Father Trevor was sick and was unable to join uh, at the ordination as well. So he was watching on the live stream and I got a, a play by play in my messages, uh, after I finally looked at my phone later that day, that was, um, here we go. He, like, screenshotted, didn't he? As of 11 a.m., you are celibate. <laughs> As of 11.01, you are bound by obedience to the ordinary of Denver. As of 11.12, you have received the matter of the sacrament. As of 11.17, you are now configured to Jesus Christ, the servant.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: And then he sent me some other funny pictures I won't uh, bore you with. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And then uh, the best one he sent me was a picture of the seven ordinandi with the bishop mm-hmm. uh, archbishop and then bishop Jorge and it is he just said this is probably the only time you'll ever be in the back row <laughs> because That's right. we were ordained uh, the the guys in my class uh we are not the tallest of men and uh we are in this photo where I'm in the back it's like That's awesome. it's like between four of us and the bishops, it's, you know, six guys that uh, are probably five six yeah. max.
1: The bishop's pretty short. And
0: then we've got three six-foot guys, and I made it to the back row on that one. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> how tall are you? That's pretty funny. Uh, I say five six, but that's probably with shoes.
1: Yeah. And Coke, coke Bowie, how tall is he?
0: He's shorter than me. He and Owen are a little bit shorter than me, so... Not a tall group, but so you uh, got ordained. great stature in holiness, hopefully.
1: Oh, that's right, like Zacchaeus. <laughs> uh, so you got your ordination started at 10, goes about two hours, and then I assume you got some lunch. I got Chick-fil-A, but <laughs> I got ordained. That's um, basically
0: what we did. So we had a, a little reception, joint reception with the se- all the guys. Yeah, at the seminary, uh, right? At the seminary, and um, we got Chick-fil-A and Chipotle, Catered. Nice. Oh, catered okay um so yeah we we ate there hung out for probably three and a half hours awesome and then um cleaned up went home um i can't remember i think i went and visited with one of my friends who was in from out of town that night it's all kind of a blur which nights were which um
1: and then sunday morning you woke up you didn't have to drive you didn't have to drive at all you just walked across the yep. parking lot um or you didn't celebrate Mass. You deacon the Mass. <laughs> Father Chris Considine celebrated the Mass, yes. and then you got to preach. Did you go to any other of your other brothers?
0: I did not. Um, we had David Hall, Deacon David Hall, was at 9.30 at uh, St. Vincent de Paul, just down the road. And then I think Ryan Mack was at 9.15 in Golden. Mm. So I could have presumably driven to uh, Deacon David's and been yep. there. To hear him preach, but uh, I don't really like him that much. So I stayed here at Lord's uh, hanging out and talking with uh, parishioners and family. Um, no, I would have loved to make it, but we had a little bit of a yeah. uh, kind of a reception <clears throat> thing. I mean, coffee and fruit trays down down at the uh, Deacon hall. David Hall.
1: <coughs> his parents are avid listeners to this podcast. Oh, no.
0: Uh oh. Um, no, I love Deacon David. And uh, we, we all celebrated uh, together. And then we met up with Father Tony Davis. Because he came back from uh, Mount Mad- madness. madness yesterday, and we uh, got a drink to celebrate with him. So awesome! Um, it's really surreal. Like everything changed in one day, and then you kind of get into the new ministry. But we're also still doing the seminary thing. And hmm.
1: um, yeah, deacon year is hard. Not that you're you're still in third theology. Next year will be your your real deacon year. But it's hard because you have like one put in the parish one foot in the seminary, and you're just like, you're just pulled in multiple different directions, and you're like, I don't want to be in academics anymore, like, I want to go and be pastoral and be with the people, it's, but no, you'll, you'll strike the balance, it's, we'll see where you're assigned as well, you haven't even gotten your new assignment yet. Yeah, we'll
0: find out sometime, who knows, but not I.
1: It's a great life, continue to unpack the graces, I think, Right before we do, before we get ordained, you make what's called a canonical retreat. So, ca- canonical meaning canon law, you're fulfilling canon law's requirement to make a five day silent retreat before you're ordained, both a deacon and then a priest, which is great, very needed. But I also think you need to do a retreat after ordination just to like unpack, <laughs> like, Lord, what are you doing? What, what have you done in the last like that 48 hour period just goes by so quick. Yeah. So, I don't know if you can maybe do a desert day or something, but it could be really good to, yeah, begin to unpack about, uh, those re- uh, graces.
0: Then. We've already got a full, a full week. I'll be assisting in the funeral mass. Um, this Saturday um, I've got some stuff scheduled with the seminary. So it's like jumped right in yeah. and I'm loving it. Um, well, if, Whenever you uh, want to take
1: my baptisms, let me know <laughs> every Saturday morning.
0: <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see. Not this Saturday coming up. Um, actually you can tell me i think whenever it's kind of the uh, isn't that the rule that's right Obedience. you're obedient to me
1: <laughs> no i don't think um, i own much authority because you're still more obedient to the rector and yeah vice-rector. we have like
0: six bosses right now it's incredible
1: like i said deacon year is a hard year
0: formator vice rector rector uh vicar for clergy bishop auxiliary bishop, auxiliary bishop pastor Parochial vicar at your assignment Mm -hmm. and vocations director all have some sort of authority. Then I have no idea how those stack. I mean, Archbishop's at the top. And then after that, I don't know how they fall out.
1: (laughs) Transitional deacon. (laughs) Yeah. Well, congratulations. Not that I want to make this about me, but three years ago today, February 22nd, I was ordained a deacon. So I was praying with that today. It's a great gift. Great grace.
0: Amen. Once a deacon, always a deacon. That's right. (laughs) Well, uh, today, we'll just, I don't have a better transition, so I'm just going to go for it. Great. Enough talking about us. Today, uh, Ash Wednesday, uh, I was preaching at the 6 p.m. Mass with Father Sean here, and we were preaching, I was preaching about prayer, (laughs) fasting, um, almsgiving, mostly prayer and fasting. Uh, and what Lent is for, what what Lent is, why we go into Lent, why we go into this 40-year period, 40-year, 40 40-day 40 <laughs> period. 40 years were the Israelites in the desert. But
1: Oftentimes, uh, life feels like 40-year <laughs> Lent, though.
0: So uh, last time we recorded, you asked me a question. You, Uh-oh. Um, you said... How do I make my uh, son a priest? Uh, so this time, since I don't really have a topic prepped, I'm going to ask you a question (laughs) and we'll see what happens. Great. My question is, uh, how do we enter into Lent? Why do we enter into Lent? And how do you lead your parish to do that?
1: So first question.
0: Why do we enter into Lent?
1: Why do we enter into Lent?
0: And what is it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, there's multiple ways to answer this, but maybe just to start with the number 40, right? So 40 is a big biblical number it's often spoken of as a generation it's often spoken of as a time of judgment so um right noah i think this might be the first time in the bible we see the word 40 right so 40 days and 40 nights it rains god's judgment on the earth uh evil people um they're not people are being disobedient to god so noah i will save you and your family and these animals Uh, If you build an ark, Noah is obedient. God uh, is um, faithful to his word, faithful to his promise, but then judgment comes from that. Next time we see 40, um, I don't know, Moses on the mountain, maybe Exodus 19, Mount Sinai.
0: Is that 40 days after Exodus? Or is he 40 days on the mountain?
1: He's 40 days and 40 nights on on the mountain at Mount Sinai fasting. Right. And then he comes back down the mountain and breaks the stone tablets (laughs) because he's so (laughs) he's so upset at the Israelites, of course, uh, for worshiping a golden calf, um, which, yeah, I actually preached about this recently. It's really interesting, all that. Anyways, so Moses is there. But then what we more know it as is when um, Moses and the Israelites are in the desert for 40 years. Right. So a whole generation has to die before they can enter the promised land because of disobedience. Jesus then takes this up at the beginning of his ministry, right? And what's so cool is right when Jesus is baptized, he's immediately tempted in the desert, led to the desert by the enemy.
0: Oh, he's, no, he's led to the desert by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, thank you. He he fasts and prays for 40 days and, and then, then goes into battle with the enemy who comes, the evil you know, Satan who comes to tempt him.
1: That's right. That is actually a really important clarification. Thank you. Uh,
0: Because that's why we entered (laughs) Right, We are led into Lent. Uh, We are not brought into Lent by Satan.
1: Right. Yeah, thank you. Not to confuse our listener (laughs) land out there. Um, So then Jesus commemorates the Exodus, essentially, right? So um, a lot of the New Testament can only be understood if you understand the Exodus story. Um, The whole Exodus story of... Right, and there's so many parallels here of um, the Israelites fleeing out of Egypt, the place of sin, to go to the promised land. We we flee out of um, sin, uh, which is our Egypt, which is our slavery, so as to come into the promised land, which is heaven. You know, and our, our life is the desert wanderings, if you will. So there's so many parallels here. Jesus commemorates that in uh, by going into the desert, and then he's tempted. But right he he talks about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, uh essentially, we do this during Lent in order to kind of prepare ourselves um for kind of a deeper experience of the Lord, I would say
0: yeah, so fasting um kind of just big picture, one of the reasons you fast is because you're keeping vigil, uh so this is. The image of the virgins waiting for the bridegroom and the bride—they keep vigil. They're not yet feasting. So Jesus will play upon this when he says, um, when he's talking about the accusation of your your followers uh, don't fast. Um, in contrast to John the Baptist followers who fasted, and they said they, you know, they fasted and have demons or whatever. And he says, then you say to me, we don't follow the law. Yours don't fast. So he's like, we're getting in trouble for not fasting and for fasting. What's going on here. Mm -hmm. But then he says, my followers are not fasting because the bridegroom is here, Mm -hmm. but they will fast once he leaves. Um, So there's something about keeping a vigil, keeping a watch. And so that draws us to when Christ says, I will come again. There's, Mm -hmm. there's something in our life now, which is a fast uh, to keep vigil Mm -hmm. for, the second coming, um, right. which is not only end time second coming, um, that's the, the big one, but for your own life, to keep, be keeping watch, to keep vigil so that you can see when Christ comes for right. your life. Um, and if you are uh, not keeping vigil, if you're not keeping watch, if you're always just feasting, um, you might miss it. Mm. So that's kind of the idea there.
1: That's right. And right in order to feast well, we have to fast well. Yeah. And that's something I've often prayed with, of like, okay, if I want to feast well on Easter Sunday in 47 days, however long it is, right? Because mm. it's actually more than 40 days. Uh, then I have to fast well. Yeah. In order to feast well, you must fast
0: well. And that's because Sundays are the wedding feast. Mm. So Sundays we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday, even in Lent, we are still celebrating the wedding feast.
1: Right. But you just can't say alleluia.
0: You can't say alleluia. (laughs) Um, You just have to say the English translation, Um, (laughs) but that keeping vigil. Well, at that point, you know, there's, there he is. I'm not, I don't have to keep vigil. So that's when you can like break the fast on Sunday Um, for that first reason, if you're fasting for vigil. The second reason we fast is to strengthen, strengthen for battle, to strengthen Mm -hmm. our will, to strengthen um, against the concupiscence of the eyes and the flesh. And so that is kind of what we see also in Jesus's 40 days, is he's fasting uh, to show us the ability to have mastery over our bodies, to have mastery over our desires, our flesh, so that when temptation comes we can conquer it now christ committed no sin had no sin it's god incarnate um but we hear he he suffered everything that we did even temptation but without sin Mm -hmm. and so that's the second reason to fast to strengthen so if your strength if you're fasting to strengthen uh your will or to um fast to overcome some sort of uh sin or weakness uh, those are the fasts that you maybe wouldn't break on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so both of these are good fasts and and for good purposes, but are both kind of united in Lent. Yeah, here.
1: yeah. Well said. <clears throat> I think right. Another way to approach this too is to use the language that the church often uses of right a battle. Uh, life is a battle. The spiritual life is a battle. And so Lent is all about like, preparing ourselves, so the fasting to strengthen us for the battle at hand. And we have to intentionally come back to this time of year, uh, this time every year in order to say, okay, wh- why am I living? What's the purpose of my life? How's my spiritual life going? It's kind of an intentional season, intentional time to enter into prayer, fasting, almsgiving, certainly, but also um, just kind of our intentionality of reevaluating how I'm doing. Right, so uh, Deacon Zach preached about this <laughs> this morning. Of um, he looked at the collect. I don't have the collect in front of me. I don't have it completely memorized. But the collect for Ash Wednesday is right. Like, like, Lord, help us on this campaign that we embark on today. This campaign, this great campaign, right? The military word. Help us to uh, enact certain penances so as to be strengthened for for the fight, for the battle. It, it's all military imagery and deacon zach gave a phenomenal reflection and homily about like we are soldiers like you're a soldier for christ um take this time seriously so that you can go back out and fight again right the word retreat comes to mind you just made a retreat i make my retreat in mid-march which i'm super pumped for but that's a military term retreat like you retreat so that you can recollect your forces uh recollect everything like strengthen yourself so that you can go back out and fight on the front lines, right? We're, we're soldiers, we're warriors, we're in a battle. Uh, Deacon Zach, <laughs> he was like, and the ashes that are going to be put on your forehead, that's like your war paint.
0: He, like, go out. He was preaching, he was preaching to uh, the school kids that's at right. St. Louis Parish. So uh, the kids, he told me about this. He said he got some of the boys with that. They're just like, yeah, Exactly, <laughs> the war paint.
1: It was awesome. It was a great analogy. I, I really appreciated it. Something I never thought about, you know, so it's it's a good insight of... Yeah, this is a campaign. This is a battle, as you were mentioning, Deacon Jacob. Of yeah, we got to go out and uh, strengthen ourselves, right? Um, but don't be too eager. Take this time of Lent. Be serious for these forty days. Easter will come.
0: Yeah, to really to retreat. And that there is battle. There is battle in this. Um, I always like to bring back. You know, there is an element of fasting, which is reparation for sin. There is an element that is. Um, You know, I have sinned, um, I have caused evil to enter into the world, Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to make reparations. And so I'm I'm going to do penance, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray. But we have to be very careful distinguishing between like a compunction of the heart, a turning to God, a penance, a reparation being made, and like a self loathing, beating of oneself, Mm -hmm. um, kind of. I am terrible. I am the worst. I am constantly a sinner. I can't do anything. God says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Um, he wants your heart to turn to him. And so there's a sorrow at sin, uh, that we all can grow in that the saints witness to us. Mm. Um, but we are not primarily fasting in lent, um, to, to, beat ourselves up because we're bad. We are primarily fasting in Lent to acknowledge our sinfulness, make reparations, turning to God and being united to him evermore. Mm -hmm. And it's that union, um, that I was really trying to preach about tonight to get to that point of union where now it's also the prayer. Mm -hmm. And then what do we do from that union and that prayer? We go out and give alms. We do service. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Well said. Um, I mean, we could keep talking about this, but what was your second question?
0: Um, <laughs> it's the biggest question. How do you uh, lead people in the parish into a good Lent? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit different than Christmas. Christmas, uh, the culture, everything in the world is saying celebrate yeah, Christmas already. Uh, even when you're in Advent, which is a time of anticipation and waiting, everybody's kind of already jumping ahead to Christmas. Uh, Lent doesn't have the same character. Um, People know Easter's coming, but it's not nearly as much anticipation mm-hmm. uh, as you get the Easter bunnies and King Supers or whatever. Sure, um, you know McDonald's does the fish fillet on Fridays, which is because Catholics fast on Fridays. That's the entire reason they have that. Um, so there's some vestiges of uh, of Catholic culture within the mm-hmm. popular culture around Lent and Easter, but way way less than than Christmas. So in a, one sense, it's almost harder to make them make people think about that yeah. but in another sense you're not fighting a, a battle of people already celebrating easter so yeah. how do you bring people into lent uh, in your three years of priesthood how have you
1: year and a half of priesthood that's right three years to from diaconate three years
0: from diaconate three um, years of ministry
1: i i think that's a really interesting question i don't know if i have really thought of it in that way um I think because I'm so used to of like, oh, these these are faithful people who come to Mass, you know. Certainly every parish is different. But I will say the whole season of Lent changes itself. So typically during ordinary time, you read the same collect for a week straight, right? It's the whole, the six week, sixth Sunday in ordinary time, you read that, those prayers for the whole week. Lent though, as well as Advent, but Lent, everything is proper to the day. So it's like Ash Wednesday, and then you have, uh, Thursday after Ash Wednesday, then Friday after Ash Wednesday, they all have their own collect, all prayer, all different prayers over the offering and, and prayer after communion, etc. Which means if you celebrate daily mass every day or go to daily mass every day, uh, you see the progression if you really listen to those different things. But if you don't, what about Sundays? Sundays, there's a movement, uh, and I would have to look more at the readings uh, for more specifics here, but the readings get very long and dense during Lent, right? We have the scrutinies for those who are familiar with, uh, those in RCIA, uh, during, um, I think it's like fourth, fifth, and sixth Sundays of Lent. We have really intentional readings to essentially allow those in RCIA, those preparing to become Catholic, to really think about, um, Jesus, right? And, and, his his love right so one of the readings that comes up is john 4 the woman at the well and these readings get very long during lent which i think is really purposeful take time to pray take time mass tends to go a little bit longer during lent because of this um, homilies tend to go a little bit longer during lent because the the gospels get lengthy um, the first sunday of lent is always what it's always the temptations of jesus christ yep. the second sunday of lent is always what it's always transfiguration. the Transfiguration. What's super cool about that is, right, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, as we say in the divine praises. First Sunday of Lent, we see his humanity. He's tempted in the desert. He's hungry, right? Uh, He's tired. He's exhausted. We all experience that in our humanity. The second Sunday of Lent, though, Jesus says, but I'm also divine. It's the transfiguration. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. He's true God as well. When he's transfigured before the apostles, Peter, James, and John, uh, he's unrecognizable. He's just a bright white light, you know? Uh, he, he, they can't make him out. So um, that's what I have at the top of my head. I would have to go through yeah. the, the readings. I,
0: yeah, because then uh, the third week is okay, John you, 4. You're pulling it up. Yeah, third week's John 4. So a woman, at the, woman well. at the well. Fourth week is um, the healing of the blind man, and they people ask him, um, whose sin is it, his or his parents? Mm. And he says, neither. Um, And he says, I am the light of the world Mm -hmm. within this. Um, So now we're getting... uh,
1: That's John 9. I love that.
0: Um, Love that. Pull up the next week. Fifth Sunday, we have...
1: Hold on before you do that, just because now that it's on my mind, John 9, (laughs) I actually have my Bible in front of me. That's the only thing I have in front of me. But I've been praying with John 9 a lot lately uh, just because of some things going on. But I love this kind of opening here. So... Uh, John chapter nine, verse one, uh, through three, as he passed by, he saw a blind, a man blind from his birth and his disciples asked him, rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. I love that the works of God manifest in him. That's what I've been praying with of like, when we're sick, when we're sinners, God's mercy is all the more powerful because it's more miraculous uh, because we're broken, because we're like this man needed to be healed of his blindness. He wasn't punished by any means because of his sin or the sins of his parents, but God's work, right? God wanted to perform a miracle. He was born blind so that God's works could be manifested. I love that. Like our sin allows God's work to be manifested within us
0: in his way, in his time.
1: It's that's nice. right. Anyways, so, um, I derailed you.
0: No, that's fine. So we've got uh, the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And what's the main theme of that one? What's our uh,
1: water? So it's the water. Living I will water, give right?
0: you. I will give you. If you know, she he sees into. This is Samaria. So he's already kind of connecting. Uh, this is going beyond just Israel and Jerusalem. That the the nations will be blessed through Israel, but it will be the nations who are blessed. So Samaria uh, will be welcomed in mm-hmm. with this as well, and then. She has been looking, she has been trying to fill her jar. Um, Metaphorically, she comes to the well to fill a jar. Um, She's been trying to fill her jar with uh, satisfactions in this world. She's been with six or seven different men. Um, Jesus asks, "Who is your, your husband? husband?" And she says, "I do not have one." Right. Um, and he says, "You're right in saying that because you know you have had five, and the one you're with now—I can't remember exact. Yeah, the age, it's not your husband. Um, yeah. It's not your husband. So it's a metaphor here of he, she has been trying to find um, the one her her soul longs for, uh, and and it's she's not been satisfied. Um, and here comes Jesus saying. You're, you're going about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give you the water of life, uh, which is the Holy Spirit. Uh, fountains of life will spring forth. And I love at the end of that one, she leaves her jar and goes back to town. Mm-hmm. So kind of metaphorically here, the jar that she had been coming to fill the water that would leave her hungry again, which can be a metaphor for her life, has been left behind. So there's conversion and a turning because now she's found the source of life, the true water, the true fountain. Um, so I love that. We get there. Then we go to John 11, which is the raising of Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Lazarus. Um, so just more profound miracles, the, the love that God has for people, that he desires life, not death. Um, and then I believe the next week is Palm Sunday, right?
1: Are we ready there? I don't know. You got the readings in front of you. Yep, then, we it's, should... then it's Palm Sunday. <clears throat> We should, clear, which is always the passion, right? Because not everyone can make Good Friday, but you should make Good Friday. Um, <laughs> uh, just to clarify, these are readings for year A, yeah, which can be used, the scrutinies at least can be used every year, but the cycle is A, B, C. We're currently in year A, which is uh, mostly Matthew's gospel, but throughout... The scrutinies, I think there's three scrutinies or four. I don't know. I should <laughs> stop talking before before I get a bunch of emails. Uh, you can still use your A readings, whether you're in B or C, but yep. it doesn't matter this year.
0: Because we're overlapping with both. So I always find um, one of the things I've been telling people for the last two or three years, because it's become painfully obvious to me, is God is always speaking. Uh, generally, we're just not listening. Mm. Um, when we turn our ears to listen, it's amazing to hear... Him speaking everywhere between uh, conversations with your friends or family, uh, the collect at Mass, the readings at Mass, how the priest preaches, uh, random things that you hear on the the radio. I had one experience a couple years ago where I was really just kind of struggling with something, literally driving home to the seminary, made a prayer to God, like, help me with this. And I'm driving past a church, and the billboard is a quote from John Paul II, it was a, a, like exact and clear response to my prayer. That's super um, cool. So like God is always speaking. And one of the amazing things about the church is we've got these cycles, year A, year B, year C, the Liturgy of the Hours. We've got week one, two, three, four. We've got different cycles for Lent, for Advent, Christmas, Easter, ordinary time. Um, and we can think, oh, these are kind of arbitrarily put together but they're planned by the church. They're thought through by the church to make sense together within the liturgical years and cycles. But then they're also planned because the Holy spirit is inspiring this for providentially speaking to people every day that they come. And so the cycle of the readings that we get through, it Mm -hmm. just, when I get attuned to it amazes me. And so even the cycle coming up on, um, approaching Lent this year, we were in the gospel of Mark and there were these kind of miraculous healings and the three that really struck me was the um, Friday two Fridays before the Wednesday before and then I think the Thursday before uh, a week before Ash Wednesday mm-hmm. the Friday reading was Jesus heals a blind or no a uh, Jesus heals a, a deaf and mute man mm-hmm. and he takes him away from the crowd and to the faith he is immediately healed mm-hmm. fast forward to Wednesday He is brought another man who's blind, and he takes him away from the people uh, at Bethsaida, and he covers his eyes and prays for him and opens up, and he sees, but not well. He sees not clearly, like uh, like men, like trees on the horizon, walking. Yeah, Um, and so there's this sense of everything else in Mark happens immediately. He calls the he calls the disciples they come immediately uh healings he prays for them that happens immediately so this is i think the first time in mark um might be wrong but i think this is the first time in mark that jesus does something that doesn't happen immediately Hmm. and he connects it to faith the faith of those who brought me to you Mm -hmm. they had no faith and there's i think another reference to the faith of bethsaida is they would not welcome him even if they saw a sign Mm -hmm. so he's taken them away this man receives some sight but not clearly And then he goes on and lays his hands on his eyes again and then heals him. Mm. And now he sees clearly. Well, immediately after that, Thursday, uh, in the same cycle, we have the apostles taken out by Caesarea Philippi and they ask, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, you're John the Baptist, you're a prophet, you're Elijah Elijah, coming back. He says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you are the son of the living God. Um, And this... He says, uh, "Jesus says, is only revealed to you by the Father." Um, so he's he's proclaiming divine truths. So he sees, and then immediately after this, Jesus says, "The Son of Man will have to suffer and die." And Peter says, "No, no, 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 no! You can't do that. You're the Messiah." And that's when Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan." So here, the the poor blind man becomes the uh, the analogy <laughs> for. Peter's spiritual blindness that he sees, but not clearly. Mm. So he sees and proclaims, Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And then as soon as suffering enters into the world, uh, into the, the picture and death, he says, no, 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 it cannot be. And Jesus has to heal him and correct his sight again. Mm. And I love that that comes right before Advent or no, I'm doing it again, right before Lent, <laughs> <laughs> Lorette Sunday. uh, that comes right before Lent where we so often turn away from suffering mm. turn away from the cross. And Lent is pointing us to say, no, this is the way. This is the way redemption and salvation is coming into the world. Like, get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even there, there's just uh, the approach to Lent was preparing us. Mm. Um, sorry, that was long-winded. <clears throat> but. No,
1: that's good. So, yeah, I mean, to, to bring it back a little bit, right? So the question that you asked me, Deacon, is um, how do you prepare people for Lent? So I think, I think one aspect is... Pay attention to the liturgical cycle, as we have at length just spoke about, right? And and the movements and to see week after week, uh, if you only go to Mass on, on Sundays, like there's still a connection. If you go during the weeks, uh, during the days, you see even more of a connection of how these are building. These are building towards a certain um, place and, and it has a logic of its own. Pay attention to all that. Uh, But even your question before, Deacon Jacob, like, how do I prepare my parishioners? Um, I think we have to preach about these things. And I think very simply, just starting off a homily by saying, like, you know, last Sunday we heard this gospel. Today, this is the continuation. Like, a lot of times people, if they're following along, they're following along from a a Magnificat or the Missal or whatever, uh, but you're not seeing it in, in the Bible necessarily, you know? So maybe the encouragement to bring your Bible to Mass, and then you can you know, see what's around it as well. Um, So I think those are all different aspects. Um, But the how, I don't know. I think going back to a couple of things you said earlier is in order to be attentive to what God is speaking in your life, as you mentioned, God is always speaking to us. Absolutely true. Are we attentive to that though? And Lent is a time to make yourself attentive. Hence, turn off the TV, turn off the iPhone, turn off social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, be real, (laughs) I don't know, whatever else you're on. Um, Turn those things off so that you can be attentive to what the Lord's doing, so that you can pray more. Uh, As you fast, uh, as you give up certain things, like you're going to be hungering for the Lord more. This is why Lent exists. Um, So the how of practically to enter in, I think has to be really a discipline to say, I want to enter in well, which means I'm going to do hard things, you know, and, and, challenge myself to say, okay, I'm going to give up TV at these times for, for 40 days so that I can be more intentional with my prayer and time with the
0: Lord. I like that the fasting is at the service of creating the space to encounter God, that I, I can um, free myself from the noise, be it um, like actual noise, with <laughs> you know, media or something, or just the noise of my heart, the noise of the desires of my heart mm-hmm. uh, for all different things, um, varying degrees of good. Uh, like I said, we, we are humans, we desire, right? I, <laughs> I didn't bring this up in the homily. I couldn't quite fit it in. But Sunday night um, after the ordination, I went out to Sweet Cow Ice Cream with my family, yes. uh, my best friend Nick uh, and Mary from college, their kids, my godson. And we're all in there eating ice cream and having a good time. Sweet this, <laughs> this other family walks in and this kid, probably five years old, the door opens, and he just goes, Wow, it smells like something beautiful in here. And this is a man, not a man, a boy. <laughs> it's a boy who knows how to, awesome. how to desire well. He sees a good. He names the good. He says, Wow, this is good. I want this. Um, I use that as an image of becoming childlike, of we remove ourselves from all these little petty desires, honestly, that distract us, that are temptations to keep us from the Father. And so we see that in Jesus in the temptation in the desert, uh, we see the temptation to just bread, you know, mm-hmm. to just have food um, alone, you know. And food is good. We need to <laughs> we need to live by eating. But are we are we so afraid of um, not having food or not having uh, what we might need? Because right after this reading. We also have, um, I, think, I think it's a, Jesus talks about the lilies of the field mm-hmm. and, the, and the birds of the air and how they're taken care of. Yeah, and it's are you the not, Sermon on the Mount. Are you not more precious than these? Um, I guess right before. Um, so there's already just this, this space you can create by kind of disciplining yourself to not follow every desire or all desires of your heart uh, so that you can desire the greater things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is the encounter with God. Uh, which happens then through prayer, and like we said at the beginning, that overflow comes out into you know serving by clothing the naked, giving uh drink to the thirsty, food to the hungry, praying for the dead, you yep. know, um, this, I have a question instant. for
1: you Can I ask a question please how is is almsgiving different from tithing
0: hmm. you've stumped me. <laughs>
1: I can answer it if you want.
0: Um, I'm going to, this is all, I'm guessing right now. I'm going to say it's different by type. And it's a little more universal. I'd say almsgiving uh, is focused towards the poor. Um, It is uh, a giving um, even beyond what's justly due to them, Mm -hmm. uh, but to kind of in a merciful way alleviate suffering. Give a good that alleviates a suffering. Um, So it's focused more on the poor explicitly, somebody who's in need explicitly, and it's a bit broader than just a financial gift, whereas tithing would then be 10% to the church for the church to do the good of her work.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The way I typically think about this when I've preached about tithing is, you know, your tithe is what you give to the church, or, you know, 10%, if you can, in different areas, if you can give more than that, you should. Uh, but alms giving is always on top of that, and so what I love about giving alms is I think you're right, Deacon, that it connects us with the person. So if I tithe, I just like mindlessly can sign a check, or um, for me it's on my credit card because then I get the points back, right? <laughs> uh, to give it to the church, and then uh, I don't know what the church is doing with that. Like I know I trust that the church is doing good things. I know at Lord's we do really good things with um, our like we have a tithing account, for instance, that we give back to, um, apostles in the area and whatnot. But then during Lent to give alms, it's supposed to be an added extra of that. It's not just my normal 10%. It's like, okay, so for, for, that's a really good point of like, yeah, I should like roll down my window and talk to that poor person begging at the corner. Hey, what's your name? How can I pray for you? Uh, here's a, I almost said candy bar, but I mean like breakfast <laughs> bar, or, you know, a uh, granola bar. That's a better uh,
0: or a gift card to King Supers or something Yeah, a
1: gift card or um, socks or a hat, depending on where you live. So I think connecting with the poor is, is always really helpful. That's all part of giving alms, but yeah, it's, it's meant to be different from your normal tithe that you give to the church.
0: Yeah. Closing thoughts. We're coming up on an hour.
1: Are we? I, I mean, I'm enjoying this. I could yeah. talk about this forever. <laughs> uh, well, now I want to circle back. So no, you circle back. You asked, uh, why why Lent? And I think we mostly answered that. Then you asked, how do we prepare for Lent? And I think we mostly answered that. But then you had a third question. Do you remember what it was?
0: I think I said, what is Lent? Why? And then, so we kind of covered what and why. At the gotcha. Okay. And then the how, how do we enter in? Kind of individually, but as a parish.
1: Great. So. I would say closing thoughts just practicalities. I mean, when this comes out, you're already like 10 days into Lent or whatever. Um, Maybe a couple thoughts then. One would be, uh, you're going to fail. You probably have failed already. That's good because it teaches you to rely more on God. We don't do these penances to white knuckle our way through it to show how awesome we are. Uh, We do these penances, as you were mentioning earlier, to grow in love of God, to grow in poverty in the sense of like, I'm utterly poor. I can't do anything without you, Lord. Uh, Failing at our penances are actually really helpful in that. Um, Secondly, we're 10 days into Lent by the time this comes out. If you haven't picked a penance yet, or if you want to rework your penance, do something simple, do something attainable, do something that you can actually do. Every Lent, it's like New Year's resolutions for me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do these 50 things And then I do really good for four days. And then I'm just like, this is impossible. Why (laughs) did I do this? Like taking cold showers. You're like, I hate this. Why why did I ever start this? Um, So do something practical, concrete, attainable, and simple. Uh, Something that you've never done before. It could be as simple as I have never prayed three Hail Marys a day before. Every night before I go to bed, I'm going to kneel on my, like, kneel on, on the foot of my bed or have you phrase that and <laughs> just, the just side of the bed you, yeah. could, you
0: could kneel in your living room uh That's you can kneel by the dryer if you want just uh,
1: <laughs> kneel down at you know set your watch alarm for 9 p.m or whatever kneel down say three Hail Marys and then you can get in bed I think something like that it's attainable it's practical it's easy and you're going to do it
0: and it, it builds a discipline uh, it, Bingo. It, it trains, it trains the heart, uh, as well as the body. So for that one, you're, you're praying, but you're also disciplining your schedule, your time. And you're going to, I'm going to kneel down in a posture of prayer at this time that I've set and I'll pray. And those things, those are the trainings that we're doing in this 40 day desert of Lent with Jesus, that when the temptation comes, we may resist. Mm. And so there's something with, uh, you know, it's a time to, to, Confess our sins as well to, to go to confession during Lent before Easter to prepare yourself. Um, part of confession is desiring to amend. Like you have to have the intention to amend from the sin to be reconciled of that sin. Mm-hmm. You can't go in and say, you know, I've killed five people. Sorry, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'm making a very big, broad, stupid <laughs> example because I don't want to say anything particular that might get somebody, but you get what I'm saying. Like when you, you know, yes, we struggle with sin. We fall. It's don't be ashamed when you fall that you have to go back to confession. But when you're in confession, you need to be seeking to amend, right? Mm-hmm. Well, by prayer and penance and fasting and almsgiving, you're actually showing active movement in amending so that you will not even come into the near occasion of sin or that you will be strong enough to resist temptation when it does come. So you're taking these steps of amendment and strengthening of your soul, right? So it's the twofold mm. uh, aspects of penance of fasting again, showing up. Mm. And so you're strengthening yourself while making reparation. And it's a beautiful, um, it's, it's a growth.
1: Yeah, amen. Those are my closing thoughts. Were those your closing thoughts too?
0: I'm going to say those are my closing thoughts because I'll keep going too. Great. Um, well, have a good Lent.
1: <laughs> yes. Be holy, just as I, the Lord your God, am holy, as we heard uh, from Leviticus 19.2 last Sunday. Uh, Treat Lent well, persevere, and we'll see you on the other
0: side. Yeah, Jesus wants you to come to him. Come meet him. Any shout-outs, Father Sean?
1: Um, Do you have any shout-outs? I need to think.
0: I've got one, but you might. I'm gonna shout out uh, Dr. Steve. <laughs> that's gonna be mine. I'm gonna shout him out just because I like him. He's a cool guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna shout out um, uh, who else? I've already shouted him out. Uh, my friends Nick and Mary uh, on here, but I'd definitely shout out to George and Benedict and Esther, their kids. They Jorge. Were, they were a lot of fun to hang out with. George, my godson, uh, super bright kid. Um, yeah.
1: Land the plane Alright Shout out to everyone who went to Mountain Madness All those middle schoolers I don't know who has those Pokemon cards But God bless you I hope I never see those again (laughs) Uh, And if
0: you have them Send them to me (laughs) Right,
1: exactly Um, Shout out to everyone who made Mountain Madness possible It was super fun Um, The diocese puts a lot of work into that And uh, everything that goes into that Shout out to those people um, you kind of already shouted him out, but I'd like to shout him out too, Deacon Mike Daly, the Daily Family. You guys are awesome.
0: Yeah, he's my best friend Deacon. Thanks for uh, being there for the weekend for me, helping me out.
1: Their email, I'm not going to say all of it, but their email is Daily Bread. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Anyways, I don't want to give too much information. It's
0: probably too much, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just love that. Like, this is our Daily Bread. <laughs>
0: Um, great. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for another podcast. Have a good Lent. Stay faithful. Listen to God. He's speaking.
1: Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com.